Hi, I'm Chris Bateman for Business Radio, and my guest today is a top legal consultant, Elsevier Klink. She's a former legal advisor to the SA Medical Association and the Foundation for Professional Development. Um, she's worked in the pharmaceutical sector and lectured constitutional law at Free State University. She co-authored the book Employment Equity Law and International Human Rights Standards and was a researcher for the Taylor Committee of Inquiry into Social Security and the, and the SA Business Coalition on HIV and AIDS. Welcome, Elsebi. Uh, it's lovely to see you again. We, we long-time erstwhile colleagues were on the SA Medical Association many, many years ago. So it's, it's great to, to interact with you in, in this new context. Um, okay, uh, I want you to help us unpack the context and the legal situation around mandatory vaccination. It seems the government, through the National Department of Health, has opted to create an, an enabling environment through verifiable vaccine certificates for employers to conditionally insist on workers being vaccinated for COVID-19. Folks, this is not an academic debate. We've got a new COVID mutation already driving up infections in Gauteng. It's probably well over 7,000 active cases today. KwaZulu-Natal, it's, it's, it's past the 5,000 mark. And a fourth wave confidently predicted for early next year. Uh, people are tired and, and you know, they, they're having to constantly reinvent themselves. And many corporates whose business models require people to be in the office are gearing up to introduce ma vaccine mandates as soon as possible. What do people need to know, given that South Africa's top bioethicists argue that the vaccine mandates are morally and legally justifiable and based on the common good? Now, that puts the hackles up on a lot of anti-vaxxers. Um, but what's needed, it seems, is finding that difficult balance between individual rights and the public good. Elsa B, uh, uh, the, the floor is yours. Definitely. And that is exactly what our constitution does. Our constitution has a weighing up of rights because my right to, for example, not be vaccinated can affect somebody else's right of access to health care. Um, it can affect somebody else's right to life. Um, so all my um, right to say I've got a religion that says I can't do this. Our constitution has a limitation clause. And that limitation clause is vitally important. So people say I've got a freedom. I've got a right. In our constitution, we need to say which freedom and which right do you have. And then bear in mind that that right and that freedom can be limited. But it's not so many anybody's discretion who limits it. We have to find laws that authorize that limitation. And we've got two laws that actually authorize it. Okay, so, run, the, run them by me. Okay, so the first law is the Occupational Health and Safety Act. And that's an old law. It's 1993. So actually the year before we became a democracy, we have this law that in Section 8 makes it mandatory for employers to protect their employees. And it's on that basis that, for example, you cannot enter a construction site without a hard hat. Okay, even if I don't like it and, it, you know, it messes with my hair and my freedom to have an open head, I still have to do that. So it's nothing strange in employment settings that we require of people to take steps 
that may be uncomfortable. I mean, the guys wear these heavy boots in summer. It is absolutely horrible. But we can do that. And we actually must do it as employers because we must take steps to protect not only that individual, but also other people in that workplace. So, so it is a social responsibility. So, okay, so is there more? Is there another law? Or is, is, is yes, the there's main... another law. And that's a right. law that you when, you, when you read my biography, there right. is, um, it's in the Employment Equity Act. And that's more recent. Um, that's a 1998 act that came into effect in 1999. And it says, if there is, for certain jobs, it is not discriminatory to differentiate between people if that differentiator is an inherent requirement for the job. So for example, currently, what we do with nurses in hospitals, they must have hepatitis vaccines. Another example, if we fly into other African countries and we come back, we must have a yellow fever vaccination. So it is an inherent requirement of the job. You can't do your job correctly and safely if you don't have that particular thing. So, and that's a more modern law. It's part of employment equity. And the, the actual wording in the act says, it is not unfair discrimination to differentiate between people on an inherent requirement of the job. Got you. So that's Thank you. That, that's very, very clear. Yes. Yeah. So, so, I mean, people watching, listening will probably think, well, okay, uh, a CEO or a manager will think, well, uh, uh, having heard all that, uh, uh, under what circumstances can I fire somebody for refusing to be vaccinated? There, there's all sorts so, of, you know, they have to jump through certain hoops before they can do yes. that. And what are those hoops? Yes, of course. Yeah. And that's really, really important because you can dismiss somebody because they cannot currently or they can no longer fulfill an inherent requirement of the job because it's part of the operations. For example, I've got medical device clients. Their reps go into theater. To go into theater, you can't pose a health risk to the patient or the other people in the hospital. So one can fire somebody because they can no longer do the job because an inherent requirement is not being fulfilled. Under the Occupational Health and Safety Act, one can also dismiss people. And there's, there's actually heaps of case law in South Africa on whether dismissal on things like religion or health or a particular requirement that we put on people is fair or not. Um, and it will be deemed to be fair if we can rely on um, these legal principles, but we have to follow a fair process. And this is, I think, where... The, it is now getting crunch time because we don't have a lot of time to consult. And labor law wants us to talk to people, to listen mm, to people, mm. to give them access to the right information. Um, we need to, to I, 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 we were involved in a particular case where we had to liaise and listen to my great annoyance to a preacher from one of the more um, non-South African big churches. Um, and we're in a very on, religious country, hey? Yeah. So it is, 
it is and, and you have to go through those processes so you have to give people an opportunity you need to make it easy for them to get vaccinated um two weeks ago we dealt with somebody who said because they're in a fairly outlying rural area um what they do is they don't get the vaccines like up front like us here in the city they they people queue and they count oh there's 15 people and then they go and they make sure they they fetch the for 15 people they bring that back and by then half the day is gone and then when the 15 people now are seven people <laughs> so there are practical things we need to make it easy for people to get vaccinated so you have to do all of that consult explain myth busting is important role modeling is important and after you've done all of that you can start your usual disciplinary processes so and then you need to in that process give the person an opportunity to present evidence in some of the cases that we've been involved people said it is for medical reasons when we then ask what is the medical proof they couldn't provide anything so this is also important. People can't just say things and think because I'm saying it, that makes it valid. I need to be able to prove it. So if I say it's a religious thing, you can't just, only this vaccine is a problem. Other vaccines is not a problem. Um, you need to be able to prove it's a key tenet of that religion or it is a key aspect of medicine that you cannot get the COVID vaccine if you have a particular condition. And I must say, this far in all the cases that we've been involved with, on neither of those could people provide us with substantiated religious reasons or with substantiated medical reasons. Got it. Got it. Thank you. Um, so people coming onto your premises, the same kind of thing applies. I mean, an employer, you can... Employee, you could perhaps make a plan. Um, so, well, perhaps you can work at home, and if they still refuse, then you, you, it takes you further down the line. There's more strength to your arm. But, but people coming onto your premises to buy your products, uh, what's the situation there? So, one can require of people to say that they must be vaccinated, and one can, can require proof of that. And the reason for that lies in the Occupational Health and Safety Act. So the Occupational Health and Safety Act does not only apply to the employees and the employer. It applies to any person who visits the premise. And there's a duty on the employer to make sure the staff and everybody is safe. The same if their employees go out into a hospital, into another setting, they, for example, a rep or whatever, they need to make sure that the not only the employees in that workplace, but anybody who visits it is safe. Um, and that duty is in Section 19 of the Occupational Health and Safety Act, and it carries criminal sanction. So people are absolutely entitled to say that, and I'm doing so, if I here at our office say, we, we are not allowing unvaccinated people. I'm doing that to protect my staff. Some of them have got children that are immunocompromised and have got asthma and conditions that would make them prone to, to severe COVID. One would have to be, I have to consider that. It's my duty under the Occupational Health and Safety Act. Moving the debate slightly to, 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 one, to one side, um, to, to, to left or right, um, 
can you tell us what your thoughts on on vaccination incentive schemes? Now, this is obviously not not so much a legal thing, but you know, um, it, it's big overseas. Uh, there are lottos. Um, they, they, they come up with some some weird and wonderful things, which which we don't seem to to have done here. I'm also thinking about um, what about you're a business person, you you're selling a product or what it is, no matter what it is. What about giving people discounts? for yeah. having been vaccinated, being able to prove that. Um, yeah. Talk to that. Yeah. So um, I find that a fascinating debate. And I had somebody um, contact me who felt that it is totally wrong and it must be illegal if we offer people incentives to get Well, I'm sure treatment. a lot of anti-vaxxers so would, 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 would agree with it. Yeah. Exactly. So they see that as then it's not a voluntary consent that the person gives. But we know in healthcare, we in any event have these incentives all the time. You've got lots of programs that's about about wellness. So the more you go to the gym or the more you eat healthy, the more points you get. Um, Every health, vitality, you name it, yeah. There are many, many such examples. So um, and we know from the Health Professions Council policy on whether we can, for example, pay a doctor more for good behavior. So complying with treatment guidelines that they find that acceptable. So it's not morally repulsive to do so. Um, and I think in many countries, these incentives may work, um, but I'm not sure whether it has worked in South Africa to a substantial extent. Um, so I think... Do you think that, that, is that a function of people perhaps not knowing about it and, 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 and knowing some of the stuff you've shared? Or do you think that that, that reluctance to, to, to get creative, is that just that yeah. are we so shell-shocked? Or do you think it's <laughs> maybe just, just widespread ignorance? You're speculating, but I'd rather you speculate idea. than me. Yeah. yeah. I've got yeah. no idea why that why that isn't working, um, but I do think our biggest barrier is um, the the misinformation um, and these phrases that get regurgitated, and we see that in workplaces. So once a workplace come and they start preparing the ground, normally by doing a survey amongst their staff, and then they've got a workplace program to empower people, these beliefs come to the front. You know, somebody says, I'm doing my own research. And he said, but hang on, you know that research is done by clinical trial people who are highly educated and skilled. Right. You, I mean, you were in and the pharma industry. Yeah. Um, but still, it's so, so there's a much deeper um, issue that we face. And then Coupled with that is this extreme skepticism of, of governments and why this is done. Um, today, somebody who I have a fairly close professional relationship said, you know, but this fourth wave is just a, it's, it's, it's a conspiracy. You know, it's made man-made, by the Man-made population. construct, yeah. And I was absolutely gobsmacked um, that somebody who works in the health sector, who has lived through the third wave as a healthcare professional would say something like that. So we're up against a really um, very strong global anti-vaccination movement. 
Um, and I think we need to probably be cleverer than just an incentive um, and, because and, it's and, a deep-rooted belief. Yeah, I mean, you, you, you've got you know, some, some psychology background as well. I mean, do we need to listen to one another more? Because we're talking belief systems here. And you know, I was chatting to Glenda Gray, the president of the, of the um, MRC the other day, and, and she was saying, well, we need to get the right information out there and, and, and get it out there to stop the disinformation. But again, we're just throwing data at one another. Um, is there a softer solution, perhaps? And of course, our government didn't exactly cover itself in glory in terms of gaining the people's trust with the, when they kicked off. The, the, the anti um, the, the the whole COVID um, vaccination campaign and and the acquisition of the, the whole the whole the whole response was wasn't exactly um, uh, stellar. Yeah, and I do think this is where we actually need to work with psychologists who works in behavioral psychology to see what is the thing that changes this because the data is not equal and we've seen that the ivermectin thing is is a prime example on how there was massive fraud in terms of the data. Um, but a lot of people believed and continue to believe. So the data is not equal. Um, so I think, and, and this is also why I'm saying some of the people that air religious and medical reasons can't prove it. They can't say, it's like me saying today is Sunday. I can say it a thousand yeah, but, times and I can believe it, but it is not Sunday today. <laughs> so yeah, no, it, I think it's, it's a choice. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, that's a rough one. Um, okay, we, we're nearing the end. I, I Thank you. This has been absolutely fascinating. But you, I was speaking to you off air um, earlier and uh, we spoke about, you know, I interviewed Nicholas Crisp, the DDG of, of, of Health, who's been driving this thing, let alone that and the NHI. How he does it, I don't know. But... Um, the, the his his thing was okay. We we setting up the environment to enable people to 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 do everything you've now outlined. Um, but uh, I had a look at my vaccine certificate, and and there, there was a, a it wasn't exactly a code, but you were saying that there's a problem with overseas because sometimes the batch number isn't on the certificate, and some countries just outline the extent of that and what you know. Yeah. So what I understand is that. Um, our vaccine certificate doesn't contain the batch number. So it's not possible to verify that I actually got the Pfizer vaccine and it can be traced. So normally in medicine, you trace the fact that somebody got the medicine through that number. Um, and as I understand, that is a problem. Apart from the fact that I think our QR codes is not readable by some of the other Entities, and we were supposed to have before the end of November. Is a, we QR, is, have... a, is a QR code and a batch number different? Because mine has a QR code. Yeah. yeah. So are yes. they different things? So okay. The, but the QR code will contain key pieces of information. Right. That will give the entity that reads the QR code the assurance that this is a valid QR code and all the things. So you've got one shot or you've got two shots. What shot right. did you get? A Pfizer or uh, okay. the Janssen? Yeah. Yeah. So, so it's really important also that there is that the, the QR code system currently, I understand, isn't really working, but the information that we associate 
with that QR code. There have been questions asked in terms of the batch numbers. And because we are sharing vials, as you know, it gets drawn up and you just see the syringe once they they jab you. We don't actually see out of which vial does what come, you know. So um, if you remember when we, when you, when you take your dogs or your children for vaccination, you know, there's some sticker key that they'll put on the card. That's the batch number. That then says that this dog or this child actually did get the vaccine. Um, Are there some countries, are there some countries that you know of that can that you can cite that do or don't accept it, uh, and others that do? No, I don't know. I don't you know. Don't we know. need to. Yeah, we probably need to. This is probably a home affairs question. Yeah, yeah, sure. And 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 do you know, or, or off the bat, whether they're, they're in fact trying to iron it out and are aware of it? Yes. Yeah. So as far as I know, and that's why we had the message. Um, about two weeks ago, that by the end of November we all get new QR codes. So we'll okay. all redo the process that we did so far to okay. get up. It's not, this is not for a, a second Johnson Johnson shot or a third Pfizer shot. This is something else. It's, this yeah. is just yeah. sorting out, streamlining the system. Elsie, yes, thank you so sure much. Our things are valid. Good. Okay. You're very well. Yeah, thank you so much for for your time and and uh, you always manage to simplify things and 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 you know it's a complex field and and you've managed to I think set a lot of people's minds at rest. So thank you very very much. Um, This is Chris Bateman signing off. Thank you, Elsabee. Thank you very much.